to see you. The sun is shining today. Somebody say amen. Yahoo! <laughs> I've been in such a grumpy mood all weekend because of this cold weather. You're my accountability partners today, okay? So I give you permission to tell me to just chill out because I've been so grumpy about the weather. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're all worshiping with us today, all of you in person and all of you who are joining us online. And if you're a guest, thank you so much for being here. I want to give a special welcome to anyone who might be a guest with us. This is week two of a message series from the book of Proverbs called A Word to the Wise. And really, more than anything, what we're... Uh, more than anything, what we're trying to do is just share some very simple, some very practical, and some very, what I think are powerful truths from the book of Proverbs, things that have the ability to make a huge difference and a huge impact on our lives. Last week, we began with a message called Wisdom Rules, and this week, we're going to share a message called Make a Choice. Uh, The series is called A Word to the Wise, so my word to the wise last week was Wisdom Rules. My word to the wise this week is Make a Choice. One of the more familiar parables that Jesus ever told. is called the parable of the talents. It's found in Matthew chapter 25. I'm sure many of you are familiar with that story. It's a story about a wealthy man who calls three servants in uh, before he goes on a journey, and he gives each of them large amounts of money. The first servant got five talents, the second servant got two talents, and the third servant got one talent. He said, I'm going away on a journey, and when I come back, we'll settle up accounts with regard to what you did with this money. Now, before we go any further, let me just tell you that regardless of whether or not you were a servant who got five or two or one talent, each one of these guys got a tremendous amount of money. The word talent in the New Testament is not a word that describes a coin. It's a word that describes a weight. And we know from the word Jesus uses for money in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 18 that he's talking about talents of silver. And so each one of them, regardless of how many talents they got, got a tremendous amount of money. Each one of them had more money than what most men in Jesus' day would earn in a lifetime. So the man distributes the wealth and he goes on his journey. When he gets back, he calls each of the servants in to give an accounting of what they'd done with the money. The servant who had been given the five talents said this in Matthew 25, 20, Master, you entrust me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. And the master was pleased. He says in verse 21, well, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, share your master's happiness. The servant with the two talents came in and said, Master, you entrust me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. Same response, Matthew 25, 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Finally, the servant with the one talent came in. And this is what he said to his master, to the man who had the wealth in Matthew 25, verses 24 through 25. Master, I knew, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And this was the master's reply in verses 26 through 30. You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I re- returned, I would, have, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the five talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What an incredible story. Now here's the deal. There are multiple meanings to be taken from this parable related to where it falls in Jesus' earthly life because this parable comes really close to the end of Jesus' earthly life. There are meanings 
to be taken from this parable related to Jesus's expectation of his disciples after his death. There are meanings to be taken related to the importance of using the gifts God gives us, the opportunities, the influence that God gives us to their full capacity. But for our purposes this weekend, as we think about a message from Proverbs related to making choices, I want to reduce the story to a simple question. And here's my simple question to all of you. What did this servant do that was so wrong? What did he do that was so wrong? He didn't steal his master's money. He didn't spend his master's money. He didn't invest it foolishly and lose it. He returned every penny of it to his master upon his return. So what did he do that was so wrong? And here's the answer in simple terms. When he was given the opportunity to do something He chose to do nothing. Who knows why? Maybe he was intimidated by the fact that the other two servants got more money than he did. Maybe he doubted himself. Maybe he lacked confidence. Maybe he felt like he was too busy doing other things. He had other responsibilities to take care of, too busy to do other things to do anything with the money. We could go on and on with speculation, but it doesn't change the bottom line. When he was given an opportunity to do something, even something significant, because this is more money than he would ever have possession of in his entire life, he chose to do nothing. And so as we continue this study in the book of Proverbs called A Word to the Wise, I want to talk to you today in a very simple and a very straightforward way about the importance and the power of making choices in our lives because every single day of our lives, we have the opportunity to do something. And when you think about that from our perspective, in terms of a relationship with God, every single day of our lives, we have the opportunity to do something for God. It's important that we understand the power of making choices. And because we always make the public reading of Scripture a part of our service, I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to stand with me. And we're going to read a single verse of Scripture from the book of Proverbs. We're going to be looking at so many different verses today in this message. And that's the way we'll be with all these messages from the book of Proverbs. That I've chosen a single verse that I think speaks directly to what we're talking about today. This is Proverbs 2.11. And notice it's from the New Living Translation. I normally use the New International Version. But I like the way this is worded in the New Living Translation. Let's read it together. Let me hear your voices. Here we go. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. All right, there it is. You can be seated. We always ask God to bless the reading and the hearing of his word. One of the most significant things we find in the book of Proverbs is wisdom and instruction related to making choices. Last week in my home group, my small group, my home group meets on Monday night. We've been together for many, many years. For the most part, the same people. It's been a great experience. We, uh, we looked at a lesson based on the previous weekend's message. And one of the questions in the beginning was what, and some of you went through this as well in your home group, what is your favorite proverb? And multiple passages and verses were mentioned, but a perennial favorite in my home group, and I'm sure a perennial favorite for many of you from the book of Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. We'll put those words up on the screen where the proverb writer, Solomon, says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. What a great passage of scripture. In fact, read that with me. Let me hear your voices. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's a passage of scripture that all of us should commit to memory. It's not that hard. You can do it. I believe in you. I believe in you. You can do it. Just make the effort. But I was thinking about that passage of Scripture, and I was thinking about how that passage, like so many other verses in the book of Proverbs, give us such wisdom with regard to making choices. Because, you know, the essence of that passage is every single day of our lives, we need to choose to trust in the Lord. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, well, this is what we'll do. And, and you know, honestly, today's message is more of a Bible study on making choices than it is uh, a sermon where I'm going to preach at you. So I want you to write some of this stuff down. I was thinking you could take that passage of Scripture, and if you ever found yourself in a situation where you needed to share a devotion with someone or with a group of people, or you needed to have an outline or a foundation for a Bible study or, or some kind of a, a time when you were, spirit, you were sharing spiritual truth with somebody, you could use Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. You could use trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And you could say these three things about those verses, and I'm going to share them related to making choices. You need to choose to trust in the Lord. Number one, here's the first thing we learn. Number one, when things happen that you don't understand, why do I say that? Because Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever, have you ever as you've gone through life, have something happen in your life and it just didn't make any sense to you? We could all say yes to that. Well, what's the instruction of the scriptures? Well, Pro Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says that you trust in the Lord even when things happen that you don't understand. Here's number two. You need to make the choice every day to trust in the Lord when you're faced with a decision. That's the second thing you can learn from that passage. Because it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And then Solomon says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. You need to make a decision? Where's the first place, place you look? Where, where do you turn? We turn to the Lord. We turn to his word. How he reveals his will to us in his word. But we choose to trust in the Lord. Here's the third thing. You need to choose every day to trust in the Lord when the future seems uncertain because Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will guide your path or he will make your path straight, and, which is really what that means. He will guide your path. He will direct your path. He will guide the way that you go. And so from that that favorite passage of scripture in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, we are, get wisdom, we get practical wisdom and instruction about how important it is for us every day of our lives to trust in the Lord. We see why in three specific ways. And the book of Proverbs is filled with this kind of instruction when it comes to making choices and decisions. Let me give you some other examples. Proverbs 12, 15, look at these words on the screen. It says, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. That's great, That's great instruction when it comes to making choices. Don't listen to foolish people, listen to wise people. How about Proverbs 13, 16, which is, by the way, is my favorite verse in all the book of Proverbs. This is my absolute favorite verse, another verse that all of us should get to commit to memory because we can apply this verse to every part of our lives. Proverbs 13, 16 says, every prudent man acts out of knowledge, but a fool exposes his folly. Think about the wisdom of that. Every prudent or wise man acts out of knowledge, but a fool exposes his folly. So what Solomon is telling us is that in every single area of our lives, we need to lead, we need to act from a position of knowledge. Think about that in your life. 
we talk about finances and, and, and how we're to handle the money God entrusts us every year in November. And one of the things I tell you every year in November is that you, you need to handle whatever amount of money God has entrusted to you, whether it's a little or a lot, from a position of knowledge. People who are in financial problem or, or in financial uh, difficulties in their lives, who experience financial stress in their lives, oftentimes don't know the reality of their financial situation because they don't handle the money God entrusted them from a position of knowledge. But it's not just that. You think about every aspect of your life. We need to lead our lives from a position of knowledge. That's what we're being told here. We need to make choices and decisions in our lives from a position of knowledge. Every prudent man acts out of knowledge, but a fool exposes his folly because he just does whatever, whatever seems right in the moment or whatever, however the wind of opinion blows him, that's what he does. How about Proverbs 19.20? Here's another great instruction, very practical from the book of Proverbs about making choices. Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. I'm going to stop right there because literally we could spend all the rest of our time this morning looking at just different verses of Proverbs that give us practical information about making choices. It is impossible, absolutely impossible for any of us to underestimate the power and the significance of the choices we make in our lives. We, because we make our choices, then our choices make us. And you think about your life for a moment, and you know that's true. Your life today, good, bad, or somewhere in between, is the result of the choices you have made. In fact, I know this is a study from the book of Proverbs, but I want you to take your Bibles, and let me hear your pages turning for a moment to the left from Proverbs to the book of Deuteronomy, the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. If you're not sure where that is, then start in the beginning, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's where you find it, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I'm not hearing many, many pages turning, which is distressing to me. I've told you over the years that the book of Proverbs is best understood as a series of farewell speeches that Moses makes to the Israelites. Remember the story of uh, the Israelites who were slaves in Egypt for 400 years until God uh, speaks to Moses through a burning bush and says, I want you to go to Israel, I mean to Egypt, I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And you know the story, he did that. Uh, Pharaoh was uh, reluctant in the beginning, but God flexed his muscles uh, through Moses in some very specific ways. And Pharaoh relented and let the Israelites Go. And then Moses led them to the edge of the promised land, uh, but they refused to enter because of disobedience and unbelief. And so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until an entire generation of them died. And they got back to the edge of the promised land. But this time, it wasn't going to be Moses who was going to get the opportunity to lead them in because of some mistakes that he had made in his life, some sin that he had committed. And so the mantle of leadership was transferred from Moses to Joshua. And Joshua actually led the Israelites into the promised land. And so the book of Deuteronomy is Moses' kind of last opportunity to share from his heart with the Israelites. And this is one of the most powerful passages here. And it's so practical for us today as we think about making choices. I want you to look down at verse 15. And I want you to um, follow along as I read from verse 15 down to verse 20. We'll put these words on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you today. Moses is speaking. He says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. 
But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I love those words for so many different reasons. But one of them is because in those words that Moses speaks to the Israelites, he gives us three immutable truths about the power of our choices. And when I say immutable, that word means unchangeable and unchanging. That's what it means. And here's the first truth that he gives. He says life is a series of recurring choices. And that's so powerful, I hope you write that down somewhere. Because here's the reality of everyday life for a lot of people. Foolish people think life is a series of circumstances. In other words, foolish people think life, our lives are made up by things or made up of things that happen to you that you can't control. And while I would never, ever stand up here and say that's not a part of life because it often is, we need to understand that if you believe that that's all there is to life, then it makes it easy for you to live your life as a victim. You're always a victim of the circumstances that come into your life that you can't control. What we need to believe in contrast to that is that the Bible teaches us that life is much more about our choices than it is about our circumstances. And when we believe that, each one of us understands the need to take responsibility for our own lives. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 9, we read these words. Moses says to the Israelites, this day... I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose, everyone say choose, choose life so that you and your children may live. Our lives are made up of a series of recurring choices and those words Moses speaks here in Deuteronomy chapter 30 remind me or make me think of some words that Joshua, who becomes the next leader of the children of Israel, speaks sometime later in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. And you'll, many of you will recognize these words. In a similar setting, he stands before God's people and he says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will, what? Serve the Lord. We choose to serve the Lord. Our lives, friends, are made up of choices. And more often than not, they are 
recurring choices. And what I mean by that is there are choices that have to be made every day, day after day after day. Every day of our lives, we have to choose to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding and in all our ways acknowledge him so that he can make our path straight. Every day you have to choose that. Every day you have to choose to be faithful to God. Every day you have to be, choose to be faithful to your husband or faithful to your wife. Every day you have to choose honesty and integrity and on and on and on. Our lives are not made up by our circumstances. They're made up by our choices. And even when circumstances come into our lives that we can't control, it's still the power of our choices that make the difference because we choose how we'll respond to those circumstances. And that's what we have to remember. Here's the second thing that stands out to me from Moses' teaching to the Israelites here in Deut- uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Life is a series of accumulated results. Oftentimes, the things that happen in our lives, both good and bad, are not just random occurrences. They are actually oftentimes the results of the choices that we have made in our lives. They are the effect of a specific cause that we set in motion with whatever our choice or non-choice was in that moment. That's why in Deuteronomy 30, verses 16 through 18, Moses tells the Israelites, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways. These are the choices he said you need to make, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his way and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then if you do that, you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But, but if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are entering to possess. Life is a series of accumulated results. And Moses says, listen, if you make this choice, then this is the result. If you make this choice, then this is the result. And that's the reality of life. It might not be as clear cut as that for us as we go through each and every day of life, but that is the reality of life. Our lives are a series of accumulated results based on our choices. And then finally, he says that life is a series of individual days. And what I mean by that is that each day matters. The choices we make every day, even in the most mundane days. Our choices matter. In Deuteronomy 30, 15, he says, Moses says, see, I set before you today, today, life and prosperity, death and destruction, think of it like this. He said, I set before you this day, this day, this specific day, life and prosperity, death and destruction. There are no such thing as ordinary days. Every day matters to God. There are no throwaway days. Every day matters to God. That doesn't mean that, that every day that we live is a significant day. What'd you do yesterday? I gotta be honest with you and tell you, I didn't do nothing until I came to church last night. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I mostly sat around and felt sorry for myself that I live someplace where the weather is so cold in the middle of March. <laughs> but I did nothing significant yesterday until I came to church and told those people they were my accountability partner for the evening to make me not be so grumpy. Every day matters. And the choices we make every day matter. So in our remaining time, it's just about 12 minutes, let me give you three truths from the book of Proverbs that will help us with the choices that we need to make in our lives. 
the choices that we need to make every day of our lives and those choices that sometimes we have to make that make our lives. Here's the first thing. Choices often involve taking chances. That's the first one. I'm gonna put an odd sounding verse from Proverbs on the screen. It's Proverbs 22, verse 13, and it says, the sluggard, I love, that's one of my favorite words from the book of Proverbs, the sluggard. I'm gonna probably start using that maybe instead of moron, which is my favorite word. The slugger says, <laughs> this is a preaching, this is a preaching and confession time in nine o'clock. Read it with me. Let me hear your voices. The sluggard says, there is a lion outside or I will be murdered in the streets. Now that's a weird sounding verse. So what does that mean? Well, the simple explanation of that verse is that you can always find an excuse for not doing something, even if the excuse is completely exaggerated and ridiculous. Now, having said that, don't get mad at me because you think I don't understand the importance of being cautious as you go through life because I absolutely do. But that's not what this proverb is about. You're making a mistake if you think this proverb is mocking being cautious. What this proverb is about is inventing and exaggerating reasons to do nothing. And that's something that a lot of us do from time to time. But choices that we make in our lives, especially choices that have the potential to really impact or change our lives, will always involve taking a chance. You can't make an excuse or exaggerate a reason why not to do it. I'm sure all of us are familiar with the story of David and Goliath, the Israelites and the Philistines, their, their enemies were lined up at the Valley of Allah. Some of you have been there with me in the Holy Land. One, one army on one side, the other on the other side. And every day for 30 days, the, the champion giant Goliath of the Philistines walked down the valley and just issued a, a challenge, said, let's not have a big battle. You send your best man down, we'll fight. If you win, we'll serve you. If I win, you serve us. But the Israelites just quaked in fear until Joseph arrived, or excuse me, David arrived, and uh, he was bringing provisions to his brothers who were in the army, and he said, I'll fight him. He said, what's going on here? I'll fight him. And he was just a boy. They were paralyzed by fear, but he said, I'll fight him. And he walked down the valley of Elah, and he slew Goliath with just a single stone that came from his slingshot. Now, Here's the, one of the lessons, taking, making choices will often involve taking chances. I've known a lot of people over the years who spend a lot of time talking about what they want to do or what they might do someday, but they never make a choice to make it happen. And maybe that describes you. Maybe there's something in your life uh, that you've been thinking about doing or you know you need to do and you've been thinking about it and talking about it for a long time, but you, for whatever reason, are just paralyzed where you are and you never do anything. Uh, you, you need to know that making choices will often involve taking chances. David responded to Goliath's challenge with confidence because he knew that when he walked down to the valley of Elah, he wouldn't be alone. That's why when he went down the valley, he said uh, to Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 45, he said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the army of Israel, whom you have defied. It's like, man, you're in trouble, dude. You might just see a shepherd boy, but I'm standing here with God, Almighty God. And you and I have the same privilege every day of our lives as believers. And so we need to be willing we need to be willing to take chances on choices that can have a significant impact on our lives or our family. 
We talked about these words earlier a lot. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Your own understanding says it's too risky. But God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. What is it you've been feeling convicted to do? What is it God has been convicting you to do for a long time? What change has he been convicting you to make? What, what ministry or activity or outreach has he been convicting you to involve yourself in for a long time? But for whatever reason, you have not chosen to obey. What is it? Making choices involves taking chances. But when God is involved in the choice, he'll also be involved in the chance. Here's the second truth from Proverbs. Choices often involve an honest assessment. One of the best things we can do when it comes to making choices is to take the time to do an honest assessment of our lives. And I'm talking about every aspect of our lives, our spiritual lives, our personal lives, our relationships, marriage, family, our business, our finance, our health, and on and on and on. Because when we take an honest assessment or we make an honest assessment of our lives, we can make whatever decisions that are in front of us related to choices from a position of knowledge. We talked about that a little bit earlier. I told you my favorite verse in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 13, 16 says, every prudent man acts out of Knowledge, everyone say knowledge. Knowledge, but a fool exposes his folly. And while this can be painful, I'm talking about a genuinely honest assessment that can sometimes be painful when we really take a long, hard look at our lives. It's absolutely necessary if we wanna move forward in our lives. Let me tell you where I see a real danger for this, and I'll try not to get uh, sidetracked on this too long. I see a real danger uh, to this, this reality of, having an honest assessment of our lives in, in the way a lot of people treat social media, which is such a big thing today. Because the temptation is to, is to try to make it appear on social media, not whether you're talking about Instagram or, or TikTok or Facebook, which I know is old just for old people like me, and um, Twitter. Well, I'm not the oldest person on Facebook anyway. Um, Make it look like your life is way better than it is. And friends, I'm just gonna be really honest with you. I've been a pastor for a long time. I've been here for a long time. And I know that's the reality of what some of you are doing because I know your life and I know your story. And you're going to great lengths to try to make, make it look like things are much better in your life than what they really are or in your marriage than what it really is or in your family than it really is. Let me just tell you something from a shepherd's heart. Stop it. Stop doing that. There is no benefit that comes from that for you. Every prudent man acts out of knowledge, but a fool exposes his folly. Look at these words in Proverbs 13, seven. One man pretends, that's the key word here. One man pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another man pretends to be poor and yet has great wealth. When it comes to making decisions about your life, quit pretending that your life is something that it's not. Just quit. Live a genuine life, live an authentic life. Appearances are not what matter. The reality of what's going on in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in every part of your life, that's what matters to God. Live your life from a position of knowledge and honesty. 
and set aside some time to ask yourself this question. What is the actual state of my life? What is the actual state of my spiritual life, my relationship with God? What is the actual state of my marriage? What is the actual state of my relationship with my children, whether they're small and still in the home or they're grown and they're gone? What's the actual state of my financial life? Am I being a good steward of what God has entrusted to me? And on and on and on. And if you're married, I can't, I'm going to have to say this. If you're married, this is so critical for you. Because let me tell you something. Let me tell you something heartbreaking. In every single church I've served, every one of them, there have been couples in the church who were like foundational couples, pillar couples in the church who'd been married 25, 30, 40 years or more, who one day, seemingly out of the blue, said, we're done, we're getting a divorce. And that's what happened. And everybody's shocked. And then you start to peel back the layer of uh, what's going on in their life, and you see that they've been unhappy for 25, 30, 40 years, but they never did anything about it. Don't let that happen to you. And if you're struggling in your marriage right now, and listen to me, this is, this is one of the top three biggest problems in every local church, marriages that are struggling and marriages that are in trouble. If you're struggling in your marriage right now, here's the absolute best thing I can say to you. Number one, be honest about that because you're never gonna get healing until you're honest about it. And then here's the second thing I would say to you. I would say to you, great marriages don't happen by accident. Great marriages don't happen because somebody was better at choosing their spouse than you were at choosing yours. They happen through the consistent investment of time and thoughtfulness and forgiveness and mutual respect and prayer. They happen when we understand the importance of love and trust. And they happen when we understand that marriages should reflect the gospel, which means marriages should reflect sacrificial love and grace and forgiveness and on and on and on. And so if your marriage is not, right now as you're listening to my voice, if your marriage is not what you know God wants it to be, then the first step is to make a decision to be honest about that and to let somebody help you. We need to be honest. And we need to make an assessment of every area of our life if we're gonna make the right kinds of choices for our life. Here's the third thing, really quickly. The band can get ready to come and play. Choices always involve taking responsibility. I'm talking about taking responsibility for your life. And when things happen that are in your life that are out of control, I'm talking about taking responsibility for how you respond to those things. Because let me tell you a fundamental truth about life. People who are not in charge of their life will often find refuge in blaming other people or other things. Solomon understood that when he wrote these words in Proverbs 19.3. He says, a man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. A man's own foolishness ruins his life, and yet he blames God. That's the ultimate blame game. No one, not you, not me, no one will be able to make the right decisions for our lives as long as we're blaming someone else for our problems. We have to take responsibility. We began this message with uh, this parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25 where one man gave uh, three of his servants five talents, two talents, and one talent. 
Uh, and so right off the bat, you see there's not an equal distribution of the wealth there, even though we talked about the fact that they still all had a lot of money. We need to understand that that's not the reality for us. God doesn't give us all the same amount of time in this world, but when, we, when God gives us a day, he gives us the same amount of time in that day. We all have 24 hours every day of our lives. We all have the same amount of time today to do something significant with our lives. And just like when that master in the parable of the talents said, I'm, when I come back, I'm gonna settle accounts for what you did with my money. One day, if you're a Christian, one day, there's gonna be a moment when you're gonna have to give account for the way you spent your life, the time that God gave you with your life. The Bible says that Christians will one day stand before Jesus at a place called the judgment seat of Christ. And it's not, it's not judgment in the sense of judging our sin because our sin, if you're a Christian, your sin was already judged when Jesus died for it on the cross. Somebody say amen to that. It's forgiven. This is more of a time of evaluation. This is what Paul says about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. He says, for we must all, everyone say all, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or, good or bad. Again, it's not a judgment of sin. It's a time of evaluation. And I can't think of a better motivation to make all of us as believers make the most of the time God has given us than the knowledge that one day we're gonna have to stand before Jesus and give an account for how we spent the life that he entrusted to us, the time he gave us, the opportunities and the influence and the talents and the gifts. And in that moment, we don't wanna be like that third servant in the parable of the talents who did nothing. So what is it? What is it that God is calling you to do? Listen, making the choice to have the best possible marriage the best possible Christ-honoring, God-honoring marriage you can have is a significant choice because there are few things in life that are better witnesses to an unbelieving world than a Christ-centered marriage. Making the choice to raise your children in a way that honors God is a witness to the world. Making a decision to be faithful, to live a life of integrity. Making a decision to embrace ministry, to embrace outreach, by loving others, developing relationships with people who are a long way from God, discovering their story, and then discerning how you might be able to point them to Christ. I can go on and on and on. Those are the choices that not only make our lives significant, but honor God. And those are the things that we're gonna wanna talk about one day when we stand before Jesus and give an account of the way we lived our lives.